our human nature is to assume that other people see the world the way that we do and that people will respond to situations in the in the way that we would and so when people respond differently than we would or react differently than we expect them to that often causes conflict Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Women Offshore Podcast. This is Ali Cedeno and Christine McMillan. We are both experienced seafarers. And at Women Offshore, we are making waves. The Women Offshore Foundation propels women plus into meaningful careers through access to a worldwide community and professional development resources while raising awareness amongst industry leaders and decision makers about issues affecting women on the water. This podcast is an integral part of our mission, and we appreciate you listening in. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcasts are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Thanks for tuning in. We have another great episode for you today. Hi, and welcome to the Women Offshore podcast. Today with me, I have Mrs. Dr. Joy. Thank you so much for being here. Can you just introduce yourself and let's dive right into this podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm Dr. Joy. I am the Dean of Students at a large public university, and I also am an Enneagram instructor. Awesome. So a lot of people may have seen Enneagrams mentioned online. They may have even done an assessment for themselves. Can we talk a little bit more about what that is? Absolutely. So the Enneagram is uh, a personality type assessment. Uh, It's been around for a long time, but it came to the United States in the 1970s and has recently gained a lot of popularity. Um, You might have seen some memes about it or read some of the books that have been recently written about the Enneagram. Uh, It's my favorite personality assessment, and I really think it's more than a personality assessment. It's really about helping us be our full and authentic selves and understand people and their differences. And I've just really enjoyed learning more about it. I love sharing it with other people. I love that we have a tool that can help us become our full and authentic selves because we are all on that journey to try and figure that out. And so you mentioned that there are other assessments and the Enneagram falls in this happy medium for you of of nine personalities versus the 22, which is the Myers-Briggs, correct? And then some of them are much smaller where you only have like three or four options of what defines you as a person. And so nine felt like a really nice number to you. Is that correct? Yeah, I describe it as Goldilocks porridge. It's not too many. Like Clifton Strengths Quest has 30 and Myers-Briggs has, I think, 16 combinations. And then there's True Colors, which has four, or the Disc, which also has four. So with nine, it's it's complex enough that it really captures the essence of most people, but it's simple enough that we can remember the nine types pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. So I worked in corporate world for a little while, and that was one of the first things I did while onboarding was do the True Colors test. And then I realized that everyone put their colors on their signature of what their two were. And so, you know, the gentleman that I worked with right next to me had basically like the same colors I did, but reversed. Mm -hmm. And it helped me understand. Then I could see everyone's colors on their signature and it helped me communicate with them a little bit better. But I think knowing somebody's Enneagram 
personalities can lead to like much richer and fuller conversations that you can have with somebody and then maybe even getting over conflicts easier? Is that something that's possible? I agree. I think True Colors was also my entry point into sort of the world of um, personality assessments at work. And um, I had a boss who was orange and I'm very green and definitely having that language helped us to um, take things less personally, you know, when he was enacting his full orangeness, I was able just to see that as his work style and his personality versus getting frustrated and seeing it as something that he was doing on purpose to make my life more difficult or something like that. So uh, I, I like true colors and I think it does give folks the common language. And with the Enneagram, I think it takes it to another level because you can understand not just why, what the person is doing or saying and how that aligns with their personality, but you can understand more about their motivation and also about your own motivation and how you're trying to get your needs met. You know, oranges, they have big ideas, they're visionary, they're big picture thinkers, but why are they that way? And the Enneagram explains a little bit more of the why. And that I think helps you go again to another level. I think it's really important because specifically Women Offshore podcast is speaking to the mariners in the room. And so we work in these really interesting places where we're on a ship, we're with these same 22 or 25 people kind of confined to this small working environment, and we have to live with them. We're eating all of our meals with them. If you aren't really sure about how you tick yourself, then you might not really be sure how to communicate with other people well. I'd love for you to be able to dissect every relationship that happens out at sea, right? But I think what the crux of what we're trying to say during this podcast is that it's really important to understand what makes you tick and then to look outward and ask people what makes them tick. Absolutely. The Enneagram helps build self-awareness. People often describe the experience of reading their Enneagram type or a description of their type as like somebody really sees me and, and can like see inside my soul. It's very validating to some degree. It's also a little bit embarrassing because as you can imagine, someone seeing inside your soul is like, oh gosh, there's stuff in there. I didn't think other people knew about me, but it can build self-awareness. And I think when we have self-awareness, then we're able to understand our impact on others and, and then again, align our intentions with our impact. So if I'm trying trying to build a relationship with someone on my team, but I like to go inside my room and shut the door and, you know, whether it's play video games or return emails or do something, you know, private, aside from, from connecting with my teammates, you know, that's not really going to have the impact or the outcome that I desire. So knowing that about myself, knowing that I like to have private time, that I like to spend time alone, but also knowing that I want to have connections and build friendships and have my team trust me, I might have to make some adjustments to my behavior, right? I might have to go out and talk to folks and be vulnerable and share personal information about myself to make connections and vice versa. If I'm somebody who's really bold and loud and I take up a lot of space, but I want other people to feel like they also belong on the team, then I might have to adjust my behavior and be a little bit more patient and allow other people the opportunity to fill that space. I think that that might feel hard for some people because they're like, well, I'm not really being my true self or I am not being honest with, with who I really am. But I think what you said is really valid. It's not really changing your character. It's just changing a few behaviors to get the outcome that you're desiring. And so if it is to build team collaboration, 
you might have to put yourself out there a little bit more, which might not be in your nature to do. Is that, am I on the right track? Yeah, I I always want to make that distinction, like the Enneagram and, and really any other tool should not be about changing your, you know, core desire or who you are or who you are at the core, your authentic self, but at the same time, recognizing what your core values are. And if your values are teamwork or communication or relationships, that there could be adjustments that you choose to make. And it's always a choice. It's, it's, um, I think that's the great thing about the Enneagram is it's, it creates the space for the choice. So if I really just want to stay in my room and, you know, have my alone time, then I could choose that. But at least I have an awareness that the impact is going to be, I might not have as many connections or, or make friends or be trusted as a, a member of the team. That doesn't mean I don't have, I mean, that doesn't mean I have to go out and do something I'm not comfortable with. But at least then I'm choosing to to have that impact or intention. I think that's really important to have that self-awareness. And I feel like this is really helpful even in a personal relationship, you know, like let's just say a romantic relationship that you're trying to build with somebody to understand yourself and then in a one-on-one partnership that you're trying to build. It seems like it should be like the first thing you do on a date is take an Enneagram <laughs> together. <laughs> Could be interesting. Could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think any relationship, whether it's work or within a family or in a partnership or a friendship, our human nature is to assume that other people see the world the way that we do and that people will respond to situations in the in the way that we would. And so when people respond differently than we would or react differently than we expect them to, that often causes conflict. But if you have that awareness and understanding that of course, this person is asking me a, a million questions because they are motivated by safety and security, and they want to, to know the answers so that they are willing to follow me. Understanding that versus, you know, if I'm a person who doesn't need to ask a lot of questions, you know, I might get frustrated when somebody needs to know so much information. Right. But wow. understanding that not everyone sees the world the way that we do, and Again, not taking it personally and being able to empathize and recognize, well, maybe they they have a need that I don't necessarily have. That doesn't mean it's an invalid need, but you know, someone who needs a lot of information to feel safe about a decision or a course of action just has a different need than I do. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. And it reminded me of a story of my brother who I assumed would process information a lot like I do. And and think, you know, just like you said, I assumed that he needed the same things I needed. And I mean, we're both adults now. And I'm like, why aren't you doing things the same way that I do? And he's like, I don't need this. You know, like this isn't something I need. And I was It like took me a minute to process that and be like, oh, I guess we are different people, even though we were raised the same. And we, you know, I thought that we had the same values. And I feel like it it just really validated that experience when you said that of like, you know, the person that I grew up with and that I'm closest to has different values than I do. And so I had never thought about that before. And now it really opened up my eyes to what I value and what other people value is is not always going to be the same. So I'm glad that you said that. (laughs) What advice do you have for somebody that's interested in taking a personality exam, but they're nervous about it, or they have questions, they're worried that their soul is going to be exposed? What advice do you have for them? 
Yeah. So there's lots of great tests out there. The The tests themselves are only about 80% accurate, I would say. So okay. they'll give you like a ballpark idea of where you might fall, maybe what your top three types would be, and, and maybe what your bottom three would be, and the rest somewhere in the middle. And then I encourage folks to learn and listen and read from different practitioners and different teachers of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is not owned or copyrighted by anyone. And so it's a little bit unique in that there's a lot of interpretations of what it could mean or how it can be used in relationships and marriage and work and spiritual practices. So uh, there's a lot of information out there. And I would say just pay attention to what resonates with you. And if something doesn't resonate with you, you know, that's okay, because it's really more about learning more about yourself. It's not intended to put you in a box or put a label on you and and say, this is what you are, and you're never going to change, or that's bad, or this is what's wrong with you. I like to focus on where are things in your life maybe not working, and how can the Enneagram help them work more, either efficiently or smoothly or better, improve your life in some way. So if you have relationships with folks that are great and strong and healthy, then that's wonderful. We don't need to like focus our attention there or fix them or, you know, we don't need to fix what's not broken. But if you notice in your workplace that there's someone you're having a hard time relating to or getting along with, or maybe there's some aspect of a relationship that you wish could be better, that's a place where you can look and see how could the Enneagram maybe help me build more self-awareness or understand this other person better. That's amazing. And so I think that we need to look at it as like being very curious about ourselves and others around us and not being afraid of it. It's a great tool. And then if somebody wants help digesting this information, can they call you? Are you available to talk to people or do you recommend they talk to you know somebody locally to them? I do do coaching and I teach workshops and I'm happy to answer questions if folks ever want to email me or or reach out. And there's also a lot of resources out there. So books and podcasts and things like that. But if folks are just wanting to, you know, learn a little bit more or ask a clarifying question, I'm happy to to help guide folks. Okay. And you also have an Instagram where you post about this, right? Yeah. So during COVID, I started this um, account. It's Enneagram Clarity. And and I generated a ton of followers at that time. I'm not as active on it as I used to be, but there are still lots of resources on there. Book reviews, interviews, post series, all kinds of stuff. And, and I have a link tree so you can find my newsletter uh, all on the Enneagram Clarity Instagram. Okay. That's a great resource for people to go to. I think that it's wonderful when we have resources that we can figure out more about ourselves. And I feel like as we age, we feel like we change a little bit, but I feel like we also become more true to what we've always had. And so I don't, and I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. Do you feel that we change as we age or how does that work? We definitely change and we can change. We can always continue to change and grow. I'm a bit of a classic Enneagram practitioner and that I don't really think people's type can change um, once they're past their formative years. So when you're a child, you're trying out a lot of different things and what I call like pulling different levers. And so, yeah, putting different hats on, like, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? And so 
there's there's a lot of growth that happens in that early early developmental stage. But as we get a little bit older, I think things start to solidify a little bit more and we can get stuck in our ways. One of the things I talk about whenever I teach the Enneagram is our socialization. So there are definitely things that get rewarded in our mainstream American culture. So we reward productivity, constant busyness, like the hustle, you know, if you think about how much people reward or elevate or promote the hustle. And certain behaviors are also rewarded for folks of certain gender. So for example, men are typically rewarded for being powerful, respected, in control, strong, big energy. Those are very eight-ish qualities. Um, And the flip side is that often uh, women are not rewarded or even are sometimes punished for those same qualities. So the experience of an Enneagram 8 is going to be very different for a man versus a woman. The same for the Enneagram 2. So women tend to be rewarded for being nurturing and, and being generous and selfless and in the opposite for men. So uh, I bring that up to say that as we learn more about ourselves, we also are able to identify where our socialization comes from. So I might be a highly productive person who feels like I have to be busy all the time, but does that really mean I'm an Enneagram 3 or was that something that I was taught and rewarded for culturally and in my upbringing? Yeah. So I think we're able to tease that out a little bit more as we learn more about ourselves and do more self-reflection. That's good. So really the Enneagram is important, not just as we're starting our careers or going through our age of enlightenment in our early 20s or anything like that. It needs to be done at any age. And if anyone hasn't done it, they should do it. And then they should also like kind of review what it said about them, I feel like, and not get hung up on it maybe a little bit too, is I think that some people might be, that's part of their fear is it's scary and it's going to define them to some aspects of themselves. Yeah. And if it turns out that someone has like two types, they can't, they can't really distinguish between am I a two or a nine or am I a three or a seven? That's okay. I think there's still benefit from the Enneagram in that when we read something and we can recognize ourselves in it, like I have a really hard time resting and I always have to be productive. I might be a three, I might be a seven, but more importantly, what is there for me to learn from that information? And if I have a hard time resting, maybe I need to build in some downtime so that I don't burn out. Could be a takeaway from that information. Okay, that's great. So I'm pretty sure that people are going to go to your Instagram at Enneagram Clarity and check that out. But if you had one book recommendation or a podcast that they should listen to or some other piece of information that they could follow on from this directly, what would it be? Uh, One of my favorite books is called The Art of Typing. And so that can help you determine if you're between two types, um, what's the difference between a two and a nine or a three and a seven. So I really like that one if you're interested in in diving into the typing aspect more. Otherwise, there's tons of books out there, uh, depending on what you're interested in learning about the Enneagram. So there's an Enneagram at Work book. There's also Taking Care of Self which is all about self-care for the different Enneagram types. Um, And then there's a book called Enneagram Made Simple. That's a good one too. So I mean, the the books that have been written in the last couple of years are so much better for people who just want to get started um, than the ones that were written like in the 70s, which have a lot of thick text and no pictures. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much, Dr. Joy, for being here with me today. I think that it's always good when we can have a conversation about making our lives a little bit better, understanding ourselves more, understanding how we can work with people easier. And so I appreciate your time. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. Come back next Tuesday for another new episode. If you want to propel women offshore forward, visit womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon.